Regular listeners of this podcast will know that we pride ourselves on the depth and robustness of our research, and this week is no different. We have scoured the internet, we've dived deep into the archives, and even took a trip to the British Library. And after all of that, I am very confident in saying that this week, Wraith Rovers will come up against the only championship manager ever to have been jailed for headbutting a Wraith Rovers player. This is the Ono oh No No podcast, and we are here to look ahead to thuggish brute Duncan Ferguson's Inverness Cali Thistle against debonair gentleman Ian Murray's Wraith Rovers. Uh, I am Duncan Cameron, and joining me this evening, first of all, we have Robbie Weir. How are you, Robbie? Excellent. Thank you. Good. We have Blair Hopcroft. How are you, Blair? Very well, mate. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, Leslie Maybon as well. How are you, Leslie? Trot, no bother yourselves. Heading up to Inverness this weekend to take on the Carly. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Rovers unbeaten in nine now. And with the, uh, the Cali Thistle hoodoo finally banished, um, the Rovers should really be be kind of heading up the A9 full of confidence. Um, will you be sharing any of that confidence, Blair? Um, yeah, weirdly, for the first time in 20 years, I don't really care. Like, we've already beat them. So the hoodoo's gone. We'll just kind of see what happens. Um, no, I think, I think we should be confident. I think we're in good form. Um, although I think they're in good form as well. So I think it'll actually be quite a be quite an interesting game, I think. I think so too. I think it's it's um I mean I really hoped Duncan Ferguson was going to be abysmal and and be just just dreadful. That would have been the ideal scenario. But I mean he does seem to have made a, a difference there. Um Ian Murray was saying in his interview today that he felt they were in a bit of a false position previously um and that he almost expected them to kind of bounce back. And Duncan Ferguson does seem to have made a difference. They do look to be better than they were under Billy Dodds. Um, but that, um, I mean, Robbie, what about you? How are you feeling about just in terms of how do you feel about Cali Thistle at the moment before we get into talking about the Rovers? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Ian Murray had a point saying that they were, um, they've definitely were in a false position towards the start of the season. I don't think that, like, when we played them at Starks, they seemingly were a lot better than the games that they played before. So they were sort of turning a corner. Just coincidentally, they lose a goal three minutes from time against us and decide to punt one of the most ineffective managers in the league in the shape of Billy Dodds. Um, now, I don't know how much can lead too much into to sort of what you hear uh, through the grapevine, but... The rumours were that Dodds wasn't very popular in the dressing room. Now, I don't know if players are going to fully exert themselves and completely give their all for a manager if he's been a bit, bit of a dickhead. But yeah, the signing of David Weatherspoon as well um, seems to be obviously one which is trained with Dunfermline for what felt like about six months, then goes <laughs> off and then starts scoring for fun up in Inverness, um, which really has helped them turn a corner. They've just got a, a squad that's, it does have a lot of good players throughout it. I don't think anyone should be under any illusions, but at the same time, it's such a cutthroat division that I don't feel like as a I feel like as a team that we can go into these situations, like Blair says, with a degree of confidence that we've got these players that are now, we're seeing players coming back um, and that with on the Rovers' side that you've got players finding form as well. So I feel like we should do 
be going in with a degree of confidence. Plus, we are unbeaten and won against them. So the record's up against them now. So they need to handle that pressure. Um, I think you're absolutely right about the the players they've got. They've got good players there. I'd, I'd maybe stop short of saying they've got like a decent squad. I think they've got a decent 11. Mm-hmm. And I think the drop-off in their squad is huge. Um, I mean, they played Cowdenbeath um, in the Cup at the weekend there, and I think found it pretty hard going with their, their kind of second string that they started. I think it was only really when they started putting their subs on that they, they got a bit of grip on the game. But David Ollerspoon's definitely made a, a big, big difference. Um, I felt the last game at Starks, Billy Mackay is one of these guys who's just always a danger, always, you can't, doesn't matter, the 10 guys behind them. If they're not doing too much, he's always liable to do something. And I think um, Wotherspoon's the same. He's, he's obviously got the quality. Um, and that does mean that they're always going to pose a threat. But it will be interesting into the, the kind of back end of the game with the, the options that the Rovers have got, how much of a difference that, that could possibly make. Um, Leslie, how are you feeling going into this one? I've got a wee... Uh statistic here so on 1993 the uh, g league started in japan and nagoya grandpa scene this is why i've got the, the nagoya grandpa's jacket today nagoya went to the east of japan to play kashima antlers and they got pumped five nil and this initiated the kashima soccer stadium curse so for 22 games over 15 years nagoya grandpa say never won a game in the uh in the Kashima Stalker Stadium until they finally beat the curse in 2008. That's on Wikipedia. The Wraith Rovers Inverness curse is also on Wikipedia. And I would love to be able to log on at 5pm on Saturday and edit it and say that we've finished it. Let's see. Um, I mean, like the guys have said, I think we should go in with a, a good degree of confidence. You know, I went to the two games up at Inverness last season and the second game in particular, we had um, Ethan Ross, who'd taken a bunch of painkillers, and Isma Gonzalez, who couldn't even be bothered warming up, and that was our options off the bench. You know, we're getting to the, with the, the kind of depth and quality we have now, you know, we, we know that we can we can put up a good fight to anybody. I mean, you're going to have off days in the division, and, you know, who knows, but I, I'm feeling a lot less anxious than I would have been um, for this fixture last season. Who knows what will transpire, but I'd like to think that we've got the, the depth, particularly in attacking positions, that you know we can change things up, we can try something different, and we can give it a good go for the for the 90. I think you have to take confidence as well from the the results in the last couple of weeks. So the last league game, uh, Cali were at East End Park. They drew one each, but by all accounts, they were um, really second best in that one. Uh, Dunfermline had a, a ludicrous uh, number of um, efforts come back of the woodwork. I think it was seven, and the goal went in off the post as well. Um, but we know how bad Dunfermline are. Well, exactly. I was just going to say, I think um, we're very it. well aware of just just how dominant we were at East End Park on uh, on Friday night last week. So, again, you'd want to um, to take confidence from that, and as much as. Um, Duncan Ferguson has kind of improved Cali Thistle. They've not, there's no real kind of standout results there. Um, you know, they beat Arbroath 3 2. They drew with Partick Thistle. 
beat Airdrie 1-0, drew one each at Tanadice, which is, you know, is a good result. Beat so Air 3-1, which is fair as well. Um, but there's nothing in there that's, you know, remarkable, really. There's nothing in there that would make you think, you know, that's a, even really like that's a top four side. It's better than Billy Dodds was doing, but that's not necessarily a, you know, a huge badge of honour. Um I think the other thing before we we really dive into the the rover side and the, the various availability kind of queries we have probably is worth mentioning the weather as well. Um it is very very cold. Um so it's Thursday night as we record and um I think Leslie you've you've got sources on the ground in uh, Inverness and we're not expecting it to get much warmer um before between now and kickoff. Right, my dad's worried about his courgettes. Um, my dad is 10 kilometres from the, the stadium and he says it's pretty cold there. Um, we're talking minus temperatures. The forecast says it's not um, believed to get warmer really until Sunday. And I mean, like clearly there's a, a difference between my dad's vegetable patch and a professional football pitch in terms of kind of maintenance and, and uh how they're looked after and things like that. And I don't know um, what the conditions are like at the Caledonian Stadium, but it's been pretty chilly. Um, and as I say, the ground has been been, been frozen, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, having grown up with uh, trips down the A9, where I've got to the other end and found games being cancelled when we got there from the, from, from the Black Isle, I know it's no fun to come all the way up. So fingers crossed that decision either way is taken pretty early. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, Blair. I think you in particular would like to make a, a plea to the SFA here if they're if they're going <laughs> to arrange an inspection. Yeah, we're leaving Kirkcaldy at half nine on Saturday morning, um, so we've got a, a scheduled kind of stop in Abbey Moor for some food um, on the way up. So we've kind of left a wee bit earlier than than we would normally, which is now seeming like a really stupid idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the kind of the Billy Dodds to, to Duncan Ferguson thing, you just have to look at the, the results. You're right, there's no kind of standouts, but he stopped the rot. Like, they were toiling. They, they'd they lost, I think they'd lost every game in the league apart from one. They, they, am I right saying they'd drawn with Dunfermline and they'd lost every other game in the league um, until he came in um, and they're now unbeaten since. Um and then you've got David Witherspoon, who's come in and is their joint top goal scorer, having only played four games. Granted, there's only two goals, but um, you know that's a, a kind of an instant impact um, that he's made. And I think you're right; they're they're a decent eleven. Um, and I think if we can kind of nullify that, then then you've got a chance. But this has got feelings of remember the Arbroath game. We we did the preview pod for a game that was never going to happen, and it yes. didn't happen. Um, and look at Arbroath now. Like, I'm I'm happy we're playing Arbroath next week or the week after. Sorry, but we're not playing Arbroath back no, then. Four weeks ago, and um, they were that, they were in a wee vein of form. That worked out very very well for us. That one. Um, I mean, we could go up to Arbroath and get absolutely pumped uh, yeah, on a new manager, new manager bounce, but, but even still, at the same time, they were in good form when that game was coming up, and then we gets postponed, and then it's chucked in the middle of December. So. Interesting to see how that pans out. But again, this might be one where if it gets postponed, Cali might drop off a little bit. Um, so, yeah, you never know. But just uh, got to wait and see. Hopefully it is an early call. Um, Duncan Williams is apparently the referee. So 
apparently. Let's see how his judgment is on this. Yeah, it's um I think the other thing that's that's been kind of a a key um to their their turnaround. The guy they picked up from like the Australian non league. See the guy Billy Dodd, I think, actually signed them or Ujjah. certainly was in charge. Yeah. Number forty four, Ujjah. Nicola Ujdur. Um oh. or or however we're choosing to pronounce that. But um one of these ones that when you see it come in, I think there's not a chance he's gonna be any use. <laughs> like that just no way that, that this guy's rocking up in Inverness from uh you know, whatever you know, um New South Wales regional division he was in previously. But uh, by again, by all accounts he's been very good. Um so I think there's yeah, I think it's one of these ones where Billy Dodge is a really odd one because as you said, Robbie, very clear that certainly their supporters and quite possibly their players had really turned against them. Obviously his his pals in the media were, were backing him to the help. But you do look and you think you could easily you know, if you were thrown into a debate looking just at the facts, you could make a good case for Billy Dodds being really hard done by. Um, I think a lot of it was in the grey areas where he was really just, you know, things like, you know, they had that Scottish Cup run, but they were handed a huge reprieve when uh, when Queen's Park were knocked out. So, um, or were eliminated by the uh, administrative <laughs> division of the SFA. Um is anyone seeing Leslie's webcam at the moment? Or is it just me? I think it, it might just like be you. Yeah, it just <laughs> looks like it's frozen. I don't know. So it must be being weird. I was just, I was just sitting very still. <laughs> I don't know. It must be me. I'll take a screen uh, recording of it and show you this bit. Aye. Um, ah, that's it fixed. That yeah, I think you're right. Idea. I think the, um, I, th- I think Billy Dodds had had done a decent job over a long period of time with not an awful lot actually. I mean, they're not a club that um, have invested massively in their playing squad or anything. Um, I think they're also a, a team that kind of struggle to get struggle to get people to go north. Like it's a it's a big ask. I remember um, what's his name? He's on loan at us uh, for Rangers last season. Kai Kennedy. Kai Kennedy. Yeah, went up there and basically missed his missed his mama and, and wanted to come home. Like it's it's hard for them to get you know quality to kind of go north and stay there. I suppose, and um, we talked about it with, with Ross County as well. But um, Duncan Ferguson's a funny one though. Like in terms of him coming in, I think you said, well you said at the beginning we all want him to be rotten. We want it to be. Do you know what? I want it to be Tony Adams. I want him to be dancing about and doing something stupid that we all get a laugh at. But there's a little bit of me that thinks he's got a decent pedigree. Do you know what I mean? He's worked. I mean, he worked with Ancelotti. Like he's he's not a haddie. Um, he's he's didn't he didn't have a good time at Forest Green, but then they seem a bit batshit crazy to be honest. So, like, is that this is maybe quite a good fit for them up there? Um, it will certainly be interesting. And like I say, you just have to look at the run of results. And and yeah, there's no great moments in there, but um, turning the tide. That's not just a new manager bounce. That's what, six seven games now w- without defeat. Yeah, and it's it's not a it's not a division for big spectacular results either. To be fair, no. we know that as well as anyone. But um, you know, if you can beat teams by a single goal every week, that's good going, and that is that's you know you can you can put really impressive results together just you know doing that. Um, so let's let's um, let's take a look into this Rovers team then. So 
if we look sort of comparing to um to last weekend, you and Murray will come back in, certainly in terms of availability. You and Murray is, is available again following his suspension, but Ross Millen uh drops out for uh um removing his jersey and uh, five other pieces of uh you know shithousery over the course of the season. So he misses at this one out. And um uh, a question mark, a uh, uh, piece of uh, 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 Liam Dick is kind of shrouded in mystery, I think, uh, up till now. So we know that he missed out um, last weekend. I haven't seen any kind of update whatsoever on that to say whether it's it's a really minor thing or a really major thing. I've not seen anything at all. Um, so we could probably all agree that Kevin Dubrovsky is going to start in goal. <laughs> but in terms of who lines up in front of him, it's a real open book at this point. Um, you know, Neil asked Ian Murray uh, again earlier on today about his back three versus his back four, and I don't think we got a, a solid answer on that either. Um, my own thoughts are that he probably will just go back to the to a back four with who he's got available. But um, Robbie, let's start with you. Just stick to the defence for now, please, uh, and give me your thoughts on kind of what you'd like to see and, and what you think Ian Murray might do. Yeah, um, I think it's it's hard to really figure out what we will actually do um, and to put a defence together as such. Um, you've got Dylan Corr's, as you say, like we've got an extra week of training under Dylan Corr's belt as well, so he'll likely be in contention. And then you've got Murray. So I'd start with Murray and O'Reilly at centre-back, which, again, obviously Scott Brown, we can come on to him when you allow for us to talk about something <laughs> outside of the defence. Um, Scott McGill maybe at right back. Um, and then, I mean, again, you could potentially play you and Murray at left or right back. That's the thing. Because um, he's done it before with us. So we, we've not seen that yet this season. But again, it might be just horses for courses and we just go with that. We're putting in McGill um, to full back along with Murray. And then having Corr and O'Reilly, but again, is that thrown too much change at it? Do we even change the formation in the first place? I feel well, yeah, like the defence is a, an eternal enigma, just that keeps rolling on through game by game, and every team, every single game, it just seems to change in the circumstances of which we're forced to come up with ridiculous solutions to problems. Yeah, uh, let me release my uh, my iron grip on that conversation slightly, and we'll include the the defensive midfield as well because I think it's it is um, it is kind of intertwined. But that um, the way that you've just sort of outlined that defense is the same as I have as, as I kind of sat down to look at it. I think McGill goes into right back. You get Murray and O'Reilly um, as your your kind of your two. If Liam Dick's available, um. He obviously he plays as the the only actual left back, um, senior left back who's there. For me, if Liam Dick's not there, I would play Callum Hanna, which I know is quite a big call at this stage. But I think wow. the big advantage that we've got that we haven't had previously is that you've got the option of also playing both Scott Brown and Sean Byrne in your kind of base of midfield. And I think that just gives you a little bit more solidity and a bit more, uh, you know, kind of street wiseness, street wisdom, uh, <laughs> in that side that you can maybe accommodate, um, you know, a, a less experienced uh, kind of fullback. 
But um, um, Blair, how about you? How are you thinking? Um, see, I, I'm I'm kind of going the other way because who do you drop for Friday night? Like, honestly, based on that game and based on that performance, who do you, who do you take out to make room for all of this? So I I actually think he'll go with um, you and Murray in in place of Scott. Um, I'm not <laughs> Scott. Sorry, I'm going to just call everybody Scott this week. Um, in place of Ross Millen, um, but. I don't. I see him going to back three again. I mean, he might change up the midfield a little bit, but um, I think the, the the thing I've spoken about for a few weeks as well is Scott Brown's become the centre half. Um, how do you get him back in the midfield? There's like there's no room for him anymore, and you kind of drop him because he's great. So I, I I really I do not envy. I mean, what a great position to be in. What a, oh, how, how do I play in midfield? You know, Sean Butler, Scott Brown, like, it's a great problem to have. But no, I think, he, I genuinely think he'll stick with the back three. Um, I think he'll probably, I think Byrne will come back into the, the sort of holding midfield role, which I think gives you that solidity as well. But um, yeah, I, I kind of see him putting in um, a, a fullback who's not a fullback when he's got a system that can work be interesting to see because I think that's where your your sort of your tactical analysis really will actually come into play. I think he felt comfortable doing it against Dunfermline because they don't really use wingers. I wonder if and obviously I've not seen him play yet for Calitas, but I wonder how they're using David Willerspoon. And actually, if you go with that system we used on Friday night, is he just gonna immediately station himself out? on one side and then you've you've got a Callum Smith or an Aidan Connolly suddenly having to do um a lot more work. But that is it's interesting more than anything else to see how that comes through. Um Les, what are you what are you thinking again in terms of what you'd probably like to see and what you think we will see with the, the three versus the four? Question I suspect we might see the four again and I think that Wotherspoon might be the reason for that, a player of that quality been able to move about and I mean like you I'm not after I don't know how Inverness are using him but having that kind of player of that quality up front who's clearly posing a threat you're going to want to do something about that in terms of how you slot everybody together one thing I did wonder Dan O'Reilly is a centre back he is however left footed and yeah. we did also see on in the Dunfermline game that he's pretty handy getting forward I'm pretty handy, you know, moving balls into the box with his left foot. We could use him as an auxiliary left back. And yeah, then the point. path of least resistance becomes keeping Murray and Brown at centre back. McGill is probably a bit more comfortable at right back than, his, than he is at left back. And again, he's we know what he brings if you have McGill at right back is he's very confident going forward and getting into the box. And you've then got something where you've got, you know, players at, at the... the, the the fullback positions who are okay with getting forward, and you then bring Burn back in, and that then frees up us to do more conventional things up front. Um, the other thing you can do if you start with a three, you could then go to that formation depending on who you have. You can actually move people about without actually having to, to make any substitutions. We've got that that flexibility. So the the curveball I'm going to throw out is O'Reilly as a kind of auxiliary left back. I think that is. A very reasonable shout, um, Robbie. Can you remember the the stuff that Ben sent over 
from O'Reilly's time at Aki's, did they ever use him at left back? Yeah, any remember that? Don't think it was mentioned at all. Um, but again, this is Rafe Rovers this season. Um, anything can happen. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw him at left back and it was a potential option. And then Ian Murray comes out and tells us that he played there in an under 15s game <laughs> all that time ago. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be against it. But having seen him, you know, oh. and actually paid attention once, <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. He, he looked, you know, keen enough to get forward. He didn't look panicked when he was over the halfway line. He, um, you know, hit the byline once, which for a centre half is pretty impressive. So, yeah, uh, that could very well be the option. Um, Ian so Murray has has tended to kind of slot midfield. Say that again, so sorry. We don't, just so long as we don't end up in a Dave McKay situation. <laughs> Well, that's 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 what I was going to say. There is that Ian Murray, uh, in contrast to John McGlynn, has kind of he's tended to slot midfielders in to these kind of roles rather than centre half to so drop a midfielder back rather than moving a centre half across. But it's it might well be that um, Dan O'Reilly's got the the right sort of um, outlook, you know, to be able to do that. He's maybe he's um, maybe he's not a meathead. I think is what I'm trying to say. Maybe he's uh, he's more cultured than that, and he's able to um, to get down that line. Uh, to to answer your question, Blair, in terms of if you go to the back four, how do you make it all fit? Um, I've ended up with Vaughn, not in my starting eleven. That's how I've made that fit, which I know sacrilege, but Wild. it's it's ludicrous. Um, the options that are there when you're looking at trying to put a team together, if we um, you know kind of move into that the forward end of the park. I've just realised I've put a whole thing together. I don't have Josh Mullen at all. I've just forgotten Josh Mullen. So, um, you know I'm saying? Can you imagine going into training tomorrow and going, yeah, Vonnie, um, you know how you're now the top goal scorer in Wraith Rovers history against Unferman and how everybody loves you? Um, you're, you're on the bench on Saturday. <laughs> like, it's just... But it's the same with anybody. I, I, like it's that that team on Friday night were so I never could easily do another ninety minutes, but that team on on Friday were so good. I yeah. just I don't see how I don't see how they they change it. And there's a little bit of me as well that thinks what Murray got right at East End Park was he set up in a way that said you need to worry about us more than we need to worry about you. And I kind of think he will do something similar on on Saturday. Like yeah, they've got David Witherspoon who's decent, but we shouldn't be worrying about them. They should be worrying about... They should be looking at our forward four or five or whatever it ends up being, and they should be shitting themselves. I think, I think you're point. right. My yeah. concern would be that the the three six one in particular is a, a, sort of a, a non-repeatable trick in as much as it was almost the surprise of it in itself. It was something... I, I don't think we mentioned that on the last pod that we did, but even when the Rovers were warming up, they were warming up in a back four with right. uh, Josh Mullen stripped as if he was going to play we it right back. We were 100% at it with that. We were 100% at it. It was great. Like, as soon as I, I was like said that, and it was like, nah, that's not happening. But is this not the Penenka game? I, I, stood at, I stood at Hamden and I went, there's no way he's going to Penenka it because everybody knows He's going to Penenka. 
So everybody thinks he's going to do the three six one. So he does the three six one because nobody thinks he's doing the three six. <laughs> he's playing four D chess. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, well, listen. I hope he does um, for the the spectacle, if uh, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, but that. Jackie, we've talked about it enough times, but just the the options in the front end of the park. I mean, not as I'm saying the way I'd put it together. It's like, are oh, you, so you kind of your two holding midfielders to protect that unfamiliar defence? It means that on the bench, I have Gullen, Vaughn, Smith, and Mullen, four guys who could all absolutely make incredibly strong cases for starting that game. That's all four a- of them. The Scottish the Championship equivalent at Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. <laughs> but that yeah, it is, it's 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 a it's almost an embarrassment of riches in that um, front end of that park. And I mean, uh, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that Burn comes back in, right? I mean, there's, there's, you know, what I mean, he missed out a game not through his own fault, and I know Murray's talked about this before about. You know, you, you lose your chance and, and you, you have to earn your way back in. What do you do when everyone keeps taking their chances, though? That's the problem. Like, <laughs> Scott Brown, brilliant at a centre-back, so you put him into midfield. Oh, do you take out Stanton or do you put um, Burn right back in? Well, if you take Burn right back in, then who does Stanton kick out further up the pitch? Well, Easton was phenomenal last weekend. Vaughan was phenomenal last weekend and got a goal. Um, and then on top of that, Mullen did really well. Connolly's been fantastic. And there's no way you're I taking mean, Jack Hamilton out that side. I know John. John's not here, so we can see Blair and I can talk about ice hockey without getting a ban. But <laughs> I think if you're Ian Murray, you almost have to talk to the attacking players and think of it kind of as if it's like ice hockey. So if you think about how ice hockey works... You don't have your star players out all the time until they get knackered and then bring other ones on. You know, you've got lines and you switch people about. And, you know, over the course of a game or a season, everybody comes in, does a shift, does a roll. It might be that your job is to come on and go hell for leather 10 minutes one time, then you might be brought in and, and doing something else another time. So almost the kind of the message that you'd think you'd money might be having to get out to our attackers is, look, you're all going to be needed. If we've got any hopes of keeping up with Dundee United and having a real crack at the playoffs, you are all going to be needed. You're all going to be starting at some point. We're going to have injuries. We're going to have suspensions. We're going to have guys just needing a rest, you know, and just keep managing that and realising, you know, you're all going to get a crack at some point, but some of you might slot together in different ways and different combinations at different times. And we just have to do what we need to do at any moment. You mentioned ice hockey there. I thought you were going to suggest we just pull the goalie and just <laughs> uh, get, get an extra attacker on that way. Only if only if Kev just goes up front, to be fair. Well, I must probably get a hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> but that, no, I think you're right, Leslie. And, and even in um, within individual games, five subs lets you do that in a way that you couldn't have done five years ago. Oh. Um and I think that was very much in Ian Murray's mind when he was building the squad. I remember him talking about it in the summer, the game we played against Dundee. It's like they made the three changes at halftime and we didn't have any. And that's where in this, I mean, again, we've said it enough times, but like if this game's tight going into the last 20 minutes, the options it will have on the bench, it's it's not a second string. It's a, it's a second first string. It's, um, you know, 
replacements that are as good as the guys that are coming in, which I see particularly with this Cali Thistle team is not the case. They don't have that that kind of depth. Um, almost to the point where I think, although they would never say it, if you're that Cali Thistle team going into this game, I think you're looking at it thinking, oh, we need to be at least two up going into the latter stages because the firepower that could come off the bench is so great. Um, you know, you're not going to get an easy time and the the kind of dying stages. Um, is there anything else we want to to kind of throw in for this game before we get into predictions? Yes. I just want to come back to something I picked up a little bit earlier, and that's just to contrast this game with the team that we had the last time we were up at the Caledonian Stadium at the end of last season. A game that we finished with 10 men on the pitch because... Isma Grimchalves went down having not warmed up and had to be carried off by two men. You know, we finished that game with 10 men. We played the first 70 minutes with Willie Accio up front, effectively like a, a Roomba vacuum cleaner programmed on a figure of eight around the, <laughs> uh, the 18-yard line. Which is like playing with you know, 10 like, men. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like my dad has been out of Fife for a long time. You can tell when he gets really angry as Kirkcaldy accent comes back. <laughs> And he was watching Willie Accio, and he's like, what's going on up there? You could have any of us up there running about in a pink t-shirt. He doesn't care for his day in. And you know, the, the rage came back. But, you know, you contrast that now with, with what we have now, like we we're just saying. Guys like Callum Smith, Jamie Gillen, who've done nothing wrong and have been, haven't put a foot wrong when they've been put in the park, are sitting on the bench. And it's, it's a real testament, I think, to the, the recruitment and the, the work that's gone on over the summer that we've, we've got to this position. I think uh, maybe we need to put a little bit more respect on uh, Willie Accio's name here. I think last time I checked, he was the uh, top scorer in the, whatever it is, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police <laughs> Premier Division. <laughs> Tim Horton's Championship. Um, <laughs> just a ludicrous. Uh, the, the, the players in that Canadian league are uh, wild. Guys like um, Fraser Aird as well. I think last seen in Scotland, he was kind of struggling to get a game for Cove Rangers right. and is is now like a mainstay in the team at the top of that division. Um, yes, I am glad that we're no longer uh, subject to Willie Accio. Um Spectacular somersaults aside. Well, one, one somersault. Just the one final thing on this game. I'm talking about well, they should be more worried about us than we should be at them. But actually, do you know the fact that, and I think it's something John Greer raised a couple of weeks ago, but the fact that we are sitting here and we have no idea, no idea what Ian Murray's going to do. Duncan Ferguson's not got a hope. Like, he can't possibly know what they're going to do because we watch them every week and we don't know what he's going to do. Do you know what I mean? So that's got to be a, a positive in itself because... I mean, you can watch the warm-up and you still might not even know what they're going to do. So, um, The yeah. data on our White Scout account must be fucking wild. Like, I'll say that. Like, It must just be like a random like assortment of like just just the data from it would be ridiculous. But I think it was, for me, you look at the next four games um, where we've got Cali away, Park at home, Arbroath away, Dundee United away, and you're thinking, right, let's fucking go. Let's see what happens in these next four games. And it might go completely tits up. It might go absolutely fantastic. I'm just here for it because just what a season so far um, that things have been. And it's great to see sort of this team really clicking together in the last few games. 
that you go into that with a degree of hope and sort of belief that they can potentially get results out of these huge games. So, yeah, interesting to see. Definitely. And in, in terms of the, the hope and the belief, where is that taking you for a, for a prediction for this one, Robbie? Uh, I'm going to go um, I'm completely after all this chat about not knowing what our lineup is going to be and not having a clue who will be in defence. I'm going to go a 3-2 Rovers win. Sounds good. Um, Leia, what about you? Um, so, same starting team as, as Friday night with Millen out and uh, Murray back in. Um, and I think Burn will come in and I think probably um, we'll lose Ross Mullen, not, uh, Josh Mullen. God, I'm all over the place today. Josh Mullen. Um, and I think we'll beat them 2-1. Blair, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I was tripping out about Leslie's webcam and I'm slightly <laughs> suspicious someone struck my tea. So, uh. <laughs> and uh, Leslie, what about you prediction-wise? Prediction-wise, um, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I think we're playing against the team who, along with us, apart from Dundee United, have conceded the fewest goals and have scored among the fewest as well. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw and hope that I can be editing the Wikipedia page come Saturday evening. I think we're all, um, we've all kind of tempered our expectations now where we're just happy that our league games aren't going to be decided by more than a single goal because I'm, I'm going to go for 1-0 Rovers, um, which is the extent of... Uh, the optimism I can allow myself for a game up in Inverness, um, but certainly will be um, will be an interesting one. And I think I think it's a big test for uh, for Duncan Ferguson and his Cali team as well. They're, they're coming out of new manager bounce territory and into just what can you actually do over the longer term. So definitely um, an interesting one. And um, it is. Uh, today, as we record it, it's Thursday as we record it, it's St Andrew's Day today, and, uh, and that's going to play a part in our big question. Um, it is also, incidentally, my dad's birthday, so uh, happy birthday, Dad. But um, in honour of the patron saint of Scotland, my big question for this evening is all about Scots. Um, Robbie, I'm going to come to you first. You can start us off. What I would like to know here is um, a couple of notable Scots for you, please, um, in terms of the Rovers. Uh, so maybe your your favourite and your least favourite, please. Oh, uh, favourite at the moment is quite easy because um, the, the man who's just stepped into centre half and taken it in a stride, no complaints, Scott Brown, just phenomenal. I don't think we... Knew- really expected when he signed from Peterhead. Like, we knew that he was going to be a good player based on the reviews, but I don't think we realised, like, how good he was going to be. He's just been outstanding for, like, the last year and a half. And, again, he's one of these players that probably, when you sign players like Dylan Easton, um, Jack Hamilton, for example, like, they're going to grab a lot of the headlines when they do get the goals. But Scott Brown just works so industriously, um, in the middle of the park or whether he's at centre-back. And like I said, in the post-match against Dunfermline, it's at the point now where we don't really question that he's at centre-back because he just looks very, very complete. Um, sort of just almost sort of conditioned to play there now. Like, just knows what he's doing. Very comfortable. Um, you're not really as worried. After that Dundee United game, just a huge sort of surge in confidence in him. Um, so fair play to him. But yeah, just... Again, very much like Sam Stanton in the way that he comes across as quite a almost unassuming 
Um, guy just goes about his business, seems a very like contribute professional. Um, and it's I'm very glad that we were the full-time club that was able to get him to go full-time because he had a lot of offers over the last few years up until he signed for us. So, yeah, um, Scott Brown is going to be my favourite. For my least favourite, um, I would have to say he went on to have a, a sort of successful career, I guess you could say, across the, the sort of lower tiers of the SPFL after leaving us. But for me, it would probably be Scott McBride. Um, I just, like, he came in from Cowden Beef um, and I think we were expecting a, a sort of flashy winger um, but it just never really worked out for him again he was probably quite young at the time and just for me yeah it wasn't um, wasn't what I was expecting in terms of how it worked out I'm sure he would probably um, with hindsight sort of point at different things but always um, yeah just always remember just sort of like Partick Fissile away I think it was when like seeing Heath came on and you're just thinking oh, I don't know if we're going to get anything from this but um, yeah nothing personal against you Scott it's just you were just had the misfortune to be named as the same as uh, uh, St Andrew's Day so yeah it's just uh, sorry you were the one that came to mind nothing personal yeah with his uh, I think his, his bright yellow boots that um, really did his did his talking for him before walking he on, stepped walking on the park on, um, walking on thin ice here as well because he's a local lad as well so but as I say he did go on elsewhere and like I remember his uh, successful I remember, career. Sure, it was his debut up at Alloa. Now, um, I used to play sevens at KHS, um, and I remember one night. I don't know if it was I. I used to help out with a mate's team in like a six, six or a six aside league. I can't mean if it was that or a seven aside game, but I saw this player on the pitch next to us, and he was incredible. Like he was so far ahead of everyone else, and it was Scott McBride. So then he signs for the Rovers. And I remember, I'm, I'm sure it was up at Aloha and he made his debut and he fell over the ball. And it was that moment when I realised just how far away I am from being a professional footballer. Because he was brilliant and he he, he just, it, for whatever reason, it didn't work for him. But he just looked, he looked a mile off the level that the, the team were at at that point. I always find that like quite an interesting thing when you see the levels of football. And like, for example, like Rovers, when we played like last season, you see Rovers and they'll scud like a Diddy team. And then Rovers last season go away to Ibrox and they're just passing the ball about the pitch, just maintaining it. We put in a really good account of ourselves that day. Um, a few, like the second goal in particular was quite unfortunate, um, cannoning off Ryan Nolan. But like you see the time on the ball that they've got and like just the ability and then you see Liverpool go at Ibrox and they absolutely mauled them. And you're thinking, by God, it's like a million miles away from like, in terms of like the, the differences in technical ability and fitness and just the conditioning for the players. And that's not a slight against anyone as well at like our level. Because again, as you say, Blair, you look at like your average Joe compared to like a professional footballer in like League One, League Two. And it's so far away, and you think, Christ, these players are just exceptional when you get to that level. Like it's top zero point zero 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 one percent or whatever. Yeah. I um I played five asides once against a guy who was uh, a centre half at Montrose, and he was released at the end of that season when they were in League Two, and he might as well have been Ronaldo for like this game of five sides because it's just exactly that just levels like time and all that kind of stuff and it was just yeah. like I I mean oh, listen I'm the yes anyway but it was again I, just the, the difference in that and it really 
kind of gives you just this kind of slightest inkling of like what it takes right. to just make it at you know a relatively low level. Um, so there's yeah. me slaughtering Scott McBride when I've never kicked a ball professionally in my life, and I'm sure that that's what I've had that before from ex players where like you slaughter them and then like you they've maybe done a name search and they're like, what the fuck are you on about? And it's like you know what, fair enough, absolutely spot on. Like hold my hands up, but aye. Um, Leslie, your uh, your notable Scots, please. Right, so I'm going to put a wee word out for the other Scot in our current team, Scott McGill, just because he's a, you know he's, he's a young player. He's come in, and we've asked him to do a lot this season, and he's not always had to do things that he's had a lot of experience doing, and a lot not often had a lot of things to do that on top of his skill set. But he's come at everything with you know a really positive attitude. He's got stuck in. He doesn't hide when things go wrong. So just a wee word for the, the other Scott in our team. In terms of Scots that are, are, are less memorable, I'm going to go for two Scots from the uh, early 2000s. Jockey Scott being one, our manager. Scott Crabb being the other. I mean, Scott Crabb particularly didn't do anything particularly bad. You know, he was maybe kind of towards the end of his career where we had him. He wasn't particularly awful. But it was just what they represented and that kind of void of nothingness that you had around the early 2000s where you know like you'd go for home seasons where nothing would happen you can't remember any players and like nothing of any consequence at all even happened and you know there's just a whole kind of blank void so for just just those two because they they remind me of that period in time just one more thing though in, in absolute terms um when i was a student i'm championship manager and i got what you i think what the cool kids call a regen and so you know i i player at the computer invents because he'd been playing too long and there's this guy that i got at the rovers called scott scott and scott scott was incredible scott scott went straight into the team um so we had a, we had a back four we had hugo loris and goals and then we had a, a back four we had i think it wouldn't have been virgil van dyke but it would have been whoever that um might have been daily blint or even danny blint alongside ian davidson vincent talio and some left back and then this this guy this scott scott sitting in front of them winning the champions league for us so in in absolute terms of my own little universe he's the greatest scott ever the, the greatest scott is scott scott which is fitting i like that i like that a lot um so i'll, I'll give you mine um i have a little word for scott robertson who kind of represented us in, in not a particularly uh, kind of glamorous period and he was injured for for a long part of it. But I think he was one of these guys who, when he's out injured, you don't, you know, you don't, not that you would grudge it for anyone, but like you're desperate to get him back because when he was fit and when he was available, you could see how much of a cut above he was. It was almost a kind of um, sort of proto-Sean Byrne for the, the way that he would control the game and you could see how um how good a footballing brain that he had i think it's it's a shame as much as anything that we i don't think we ever really saw the the best of him um i really felt sorry that, for him as well because when he when he got chucked into that it was breaking wasn't it the right. where we went down he should never have played it, it no. was not that and it was it was a horrible way to end that was the only 60 minutes he played all season yeah and it was the i just i it really kind of um Kind of hard, harshly treated by circumstances. Much when I mean, one of those circumstances being Gary Locke, to be fair. But um, yes, a very, a very good player for us, and one that I say I think had he had better luck with injuries could have made a, a real difference. Um, and for my 
my least favourite Scott is uh, Scott Agnew. Um, and to be clear, not for anything that he did while he was assistant manager, I was actually delighted when we appointed him assistant manager because it meant he would finally stop scoring against us. Just felt like... It, it, there was, so there was obviously James Keatings, who I think finished up with something like 11 goals in 16 games against us. Scott Agnew, I think, was more like 10 or 11 goals in 20 games, but every single one of them was a belter. Mm-hmm. Just, like, you could not give him any time at all because he would just, like, you know, he's kind of wandering about in the middle of East Fife's midfield and be like, well, what's that? Is that the ball? Is it? Right, ping, top bag. Uh, just, like, endlessly frustrating. And, yeah, just one of these ones were like, going to just sign him so that he stops doing that? For, for for as much as anything, so um, uh, a lot of uh, kind of grudging respect for uh, for Scott Agnew because I, I thought you know pound for pound possibly the most entertaining player you could watch if you only watched Rovers games and he only played for the opposition. Yeah. Um, and uh, Blair, uh, your your picks, please. So I'm going to do it the other way around because I want to finish on a high. I don't want to end Good. this podcast talking about Scott Roberts. Um, he is. <laughs> Definitely one for me, and and I, I hope he's no listening because I'm not going to be that kind. He was, he was awful. Um, I was another one of those Rangers loanies that came in and and didn't really. I'm not actually. Do we? This is where my memory fails. Do we not get him in some kind of weird exchange deal? He was so, the he was the bag of bibs in the David Bates deal. That's yeah. right, yes. Yeah, because he was on loan, and then they effectively says, oh, you can have Ryan Hardy, which you're like, ah, that's fair enough. Jordan Thompson, we are like, uh-huh. and then you had Scott Rutt, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it was the uh, it's the David Brent at the pub when he gets put up for the blind date. That was effectively it. <laughs> he just turns around and goes, oh, Christ. But- it's just, he just was not very good. And I remember, it's, it's you know, like, as you get older and you think back to some of the things that you said, at games or shouted at games and stuff. And one that sits with me, and I'm not proud That's of it. I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely not proud of it. But Dumbarton away, um, we were getting beat. I can't even remember the game, getting beat. And Scott Roberts had given the ball away about a dozen times. And I finally, I just lost my shit, stood up. And it was at Dumbarton as well. You know, you're right on top of the game and it's quiet. And the ball went out and um, I shouted, um, something about him being really shit and then said you're going to be playing juniors in a year and as soon as I said it there's a boy about three rows in front of me turns around it's like I'm well out of order and I'm like I'm no wrong am I and he went well I'm his dad so I I, was I like, knew that one was coming I was like oh sorry mate but yeah I mean I was nearly right he ended up at Annan so I mean it's as close to juniors as you Pretty can sure he, I thought he was uh, dropped out of the SPFL by now but uh, he has, he's at um, Broomhill now um, but he's, he was oh, rotten great point though great point there Blair yeah but I'm gonna I'm gonna finish on a high um, because and it's it's a really easy one because he's Robbie's pal um, he's the other Robbie's dad um, the greatest goalkeeping masterclass that we've ever seen in a Wraith Rovers jersey, um, Mr Scott Thompson, who um, obviously saved that penalty from, from that Celtic captain in that game. Um, legend. Absolutely. I wonder if, um, I wonder if uh, James McPake's uh, middle name's Scott. Scott, fuck all out the last three derbies, lads. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was, I was going to lead with Scott Byrne, but... Um, 
we'll, we'll stick to Sean instead. The, the last thing we need is is more uh, complicated first name shenanigans. Um, <laughs> just call everyone Scott Scott. Just Scott Scott. Yeah, that would make this easier. Um, we just one moment though that the one Scott we haven't mentioned of this parish, Mister Scott Fleming, is clearly the greatest Scott. That's true. That is very true. Um, yeah, we all got put on a verbal warning in the WhatsApp chat, like, careful you. Or, I did at least. I don't know. I'm getting slaughtered tonight. So on that note, uh, we will bring this episode of Oh No, No, No to a close. Um, so if you were listening, thank you for listening. If you were watching, thank you for watching. Uh, we will be back on Sunday um, as long as this game actually goes ahead with a review of... Um, what has happened. If the game doesn't go ahead, we might still get a review from Blair on uh, whatever he's had to eat in Aviemore for uh, absolutely no purpose. But um, either way, we will be back um, with the next episode and we look forward to seeing you then. Thank See, you. Just before we go, uh, I just want to say um, that Spotify kindly sent over the the, the rat for the year. Now, this podcast has been going for 61 days um, and we have a top podcast for 63 people. So whoever you are, and I know one of them, Stephen Lawfer, who uh, put out, obviously, his tweet um, saying that we'd overtaken Louis Farou, uh, which is great company to be in. Um, yeah, just thank you to everyone um, for liking, sharing and subscribing to the podcast when you see stuff like that come through. It's really obviously good considering that we are relatively new on the scene um so yeah thanks again for taking the time to, to listen and um uh, got big plans for next year um maybe not too big but we've got ideas in our head um so thanks again um for all your support